This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey hikers, it's Birch here. And tonight in episode 57, I speak with Rand Haley about his recent rim-to-rim-to-rim hike through the Grand Canyon in Arizona. In the uh, spring of this year, Rand hiked the 42-mile route in 12 hours, starting at the south rim of the canyon, tagging the north rim, and returning to his starting point, logging more than 20,000 feet of elevation gain and loss while on the trail. In the show, Rand tells us about the experience, he uh, gives us some tips on how to hike the route, when to hike it, and what to expect while you're on the trail. Spotify members, uh, we just went live on their service this week, so you can find our podcast on their network, or uh, click on over to n2backpacking.com, where you can follow the podcast link to stream older shows or to uh, find out how to support the podcast. That said, here is episode 57 in Rand on Hiking the Grand Canyon. Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bird Shooter, and I'd like to welcome Rand Haley to the show. He recently completed a rim-to-rim-to-rim hike through the Grand Canyon, and has traveled vast distances to be live in the studio this evening, and, I might add, is our first live guest in the newly configured N2 Backpacking Studios. Hopefully you'll uh, hear some audio improvements from past shows as a result. Rand Welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So first, let's give the listeners a little background on you, Rand. Uh, you're uh, predominantly a trail runner and have likely run or hiked more trail miles than I have in the southeast, which is no small feat, I might add. Uh, so let me ask, when, when did this all start for you? Yeah, so I mean, um, I haven't really been running that long. I started running in my 30s. I had been a road cyclist for a while and then took up traveling for work and, and realized that um, didn't have the time for cycling. So I took up running, hated it for a while, then forced myself to kind of uh, come to come to enjoy it. But that was road running and um, sort of enjoyed that for a few years. But then as soon as I found the trails, uh, sort of found a new, a new love and uh, been doing that for probably a dozen years or so and it's been it's been cool it's easy to get hooked um what, what are your go-to trails in the southeast we do have a lot of southeastern united states listeners yeah no i mean I'm, and i'm still exploring the trails i think um you know georgia state park system is pretty sweet uh fort mountain state parks one of my favorites uh they do a a race there every year, a marathon distance that I enjoy, uh, but also just going there and, and renting a, a cabin with the family and putting in some miles um you know, AT, AT approach trail, and then the beginning miles of the AT in Georgia are pretty, uh, pretty uh, consistent places that I like to go. And then, um, you know, places like the Pine Mountain Trail down near near Columbus. Um, the North Face used to put on a race series down there, so I've had a chance to run down there. And it's, I uh, just camped there this past yeah. weekend. 
Yes. Yeah. Bethel Creek campsite was exactly. It's pretty nice. I, I mean, there are a lot of miles. It's not like you know, I like the mountains and the, it's a, and there's a little bit of rolling there. It's not quite the same as North yeah. Georgia, but it's, it has a you know kind of a cool feel down there. You know, it's it's actually amazing the number of people that they have that use that trail. It's significant. I mean, they get a ton of traffic on that trail. And there's a lot of a lot of volunteer hours that go into it, but uh, yeah, great place for anyone listening. It's uh, from the southeast. A great little, uh, especially if you're just getting into backpacking, you want easy access in, easy out. Uh, much more um, user friendly than the the more challenging up and downs you get in the Appalachian Trail in Georgia, right? So a uh, little little easier on you, I think, if you're starting out, but uh, a great place to check out if you haven't. Yeah, absolutely. And I just told you not that long ago when we were chatting, I was up in western North Carolina a few weeks ago for, for a race. And I, that's really an area that I have not fully explored, but it was oh, uh, beautiful so up there. So many. So many good trails yeah. there, Ren. Wow. And then, um, you know, of course, the Barkley. I know you're, you're uh, probably uh, you're angling for an invitation to the Barkley, I understand. No, no. I mean, I, I'm a big follower of the sport of just ultra running, but that race is, um, you know, it's it's entertaining to follow and to watch, but uh, it's a whole another beast. Oh, it, <laughs> it is a beast. Yes, that for the listeners, that takes place in western or eastern Tennessee, right? Yeah, I forget exactly where, but there's a state park up there where they do a an insane race every year. So. Yeah, yeah, and it's by invitation only. I understand. So you can't just show up and want to do the race. But if you haven't seen the, um, I guess it's on Netflix, isn't it? The Barkley still on Netflix, Barkley Marathon. Yeah. Phenomenal uh, documentary on the Barkley. Um, so I know you run a lot, but um, how often do you like? Uh, are, are you in the backcountry? Because you run a lot on on the roads. Yeah, too, right? I mean around here, I run on the roads or the local trails. Um, yeah, I mean it's. As I'm guessing, you know, you and I have talked about this and a lot, probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast. I mean, it's a struggle, right? I mean, work and family and kind of fun stuff. Um, You know, if I can get three or four decent, uh, you know, real expeditions a year, that's plenty for my kind of uh, taste. And, you know, those may be in the southeast or may, you know, link to some family vacation if I can kind of get my way. And um, But, yeah, I'm not that often in, in the true the true wilderness but you know again quarterly is uh is, is plenty and, and potentially sustainable with the family yeah. well, you, you could do a good job mixing the family in there too which you know obviously you know if, if that's the way you got to do it and get you out there whatever yeah. gets you out yeah there. yeah um so we're gonna move on to the grand canyon and this uh podcast is really about rand's rim to rim to rim uh hike through the grand canyon which is an amazing feat. If anyone uh, that's listening has hiked down to the Colorado River and back out, you can certainly appreciate the challenge. But imagine doing that multiple times straight without any breaks, basically. Um, so I want to give a shout-out to Rand to um, 30-pack. It is an amazing feat. He talked about it in episode 37 and said he was actually hallucinating by the time he finished after 48 miles and 16 hours. So big ups to you and to 30 pack. Um, I'm looking forward to drilling down on this uh, whole experience a little bit. What, what time of year did you go? Were you a spring fall guy? Yeah. So it's actually was seven months to the day I realized. So this past spring, um, it was spring break. And so tied it with a family, uh, family vacation. So yes, I think spring and fall are both uh, good times to go. The summer clearly is a time to avoid due to the heat in the Canyon. And then the winter, 
Um, you know, again, I think snow and ice on the on the rims it makes that challenging. Yes, definitely. And I've done actually we did our hike in the winter, and we did have snow and ice for the first little bit of the trail. So I concur. Um, now you did it. You did it straight with no stops. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I mean not, you might have taken a rest break. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, camp. it was a, a solo effort. Uh, you know, left with a headlamp in the dark, um, you know, just to provide kind of some, some safety in case, you know, it took longer than I thought. Um, and yeah, the plan was to, 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 to go South to North and then back to South all in, all in a day, which, you know, tons of people have done. Um, but, but, you know, again, I, I wouldn't have thought of myself doing it just even a few years ago. Yeah. So, um, you, you mentioned you started it in the dark what like what time did you start yeah i think i left we stayed um stayed in the in the park which was very convenient and then it was like a three mile you know jog or run to the trailhead and i think i left the trailhead around 5 a.m so, oh 5 a.m yeah um so you left at 5 a.m when did you so i guess we should kind of maybe walk uh well, well i got i get we can lay all this out so total mileage is 42 or 48 but it depends on what trails you do right yeah i think that's right so i did the probably the shorter option which is a 40 is it i don't know if it's 42 or 44 i think it might be 44 um and so you know kind of roughly i mean I, again i ran three miles to and from the trailhead from the little lodge Oh, so so r- you, roughly a 50 mile day. You but, got, yeah. you got bonus miles. Yeah, I get a little bonus, which in the wow. morning didn't, you know, it was a nice warm up, and afterwards was a, a painful, uh, <laughs> shuffle. You couldn't get your wife to get up at five in the morning to drop you off? No, I mean, it was, it was nice. I mean, um, I'd never been to the Grand Canyon and, you know, it was just a cool place to go as a, as a family and, you know, stayed at the Yavapai Lodge and, you know, really convenient to the to the trailhead. You know, I always wondered how you pronounce that. I have stayed in the same lodge. I was never <laughs> sure how you pronounce that. That may not be correct. So you may get some <laughs> some letters. But. It sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So um, so you 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 basically started on the on the south rim, and you're coming down the what South Kebab Trail? Is that yep, if I pronounce yep, that right? One. Yep. And so you hit the Colorado, and then you come up. The North Rim on the North Kebab Trail. Yeah, that's right. So maybe I mean, it's, maybe far, it's called Kaibab. I'm not I, sure. How yeah, they I think it. it might be Kaibab. I mean, from a that. from a logistics and mapping point of view, I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, I, I know without a doubt you've done trips where you got the map and you got eight trails and you got to look for markings. I mean, the 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 nice thing about the the Grand Canyon, at least these two trails, and clearly there are other trails in the in the canyon. Uh, I mean, it's it's really easy to follow straightforward even on the map it looks pretty pretty straightforward yeah and so you hit the north rim then you come back and when you hit the colorado the the second time you've got an option to go back up the south kaibab or you can come the um i'm trying to think of the route it would be bright angel Angel yeah Yeah. so there's yeah there's essentially two big trails on the south side and then there's really only one you know main trail that goes north um, I just chose to keep it simple and come back up the way I came. The other trail is a little longer, a little less steep, uh, has more shade and I think also more water stops, which, you know, from a safety point of view, particularly if you're close to summer months is probably the wise decision. Uh, but I just decided to, to, to keep it simple. Yeah. We, we actually stayed, uh, on the bright angel. You've got the, um, 
Indian garden campsite, which uh, has water, it's got trees, so you know, that'd be a great place to you know rest a little bit if, if you had the summer months. Um, I, I'll tell you, I mean, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how how it's easy to um, to not give the Grand Canyon enough credit into how difficult it is to come out of that uh, out of the canyon. I mean, yeah, I don't know if you it, want to comment on that. Well, I mean, it's 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 a kind of an inverse situation, right? Because you start out at least from a runner's point of view, and and clearly, you know, you're not running up some of the the climbs, but um, I mean, you start out with a seven mile bomb, you know, straight down to the Colorado River. Um, I think there's like a basically a mile of of elevation loss in those seven miles. Um, but but you recognize that that means you're going to have a an equally challenging climb coming up, and you know typically when when you go to to hike or run, you know you you start with the climb, but but you know at the end there's more more often you know you're going down, which you know it might hurt your quads a little, but you, at least you don't have the quite as much uh, you know punishment as as climbing back out of the canyon at the end of your your tough day. Yeah, and I mean we should talk about elevation change too because. Uh, I think I was just reading online. It's ten thousand gain, ten thousand loss, right? Yeah, ten or eleven, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, you've almost climbed Everest from, you know, f- from zero elevation, right? I mean, it's it's a significant amount of elevation change. Yeah, I- it is. I mean, th- that's what I seek, and then, I mean, I enjoy that challenge. If I had to run flat, I think I'd probably drive myself crazy. And it, I mean, it's certainly challenging, but uh, I mean, again, I wouldn't have probably chosen it otherwise uh, but yeah i think it's it's the south rim is a little bit lower than the north rim but they're all they're each a little low, they're each about five thousand feet of you know above the above the canyon floor above the river you know how, how many hours were you actually in darkness so you started at five it was springtime so yeah you... i think like maybe 30 to 45 minutes so really okay. you know not that much um i had the headlamp so that was that was you know, totally adequate. And it was, it was pretty interesting because we, we had come in the night before, got in a little later than we had hoped or planned. Um, and so we hadn't seen the Canyon yet. Um, it was dark when we arrived. And so I just, you know, started bombing down the, the trail in the dark, um, you know, with a little pinpoint light. Um, but to be able to see the sunrise and actually see the Canyon for the first time, um, you know, sunrise, uh, you know, however far down, um, was, was pretty cool. Yeah, well, I think the other thing, too, is you and I are used to the southeast where, I mean, you know, we just don't have the views that you get out west, right? I mean, we're a lot of times we're under tree canopy. So I, that, that had to blow you away when the sun was coming up and you had all these views. I mean, that would have to be awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, you, you see pictures and, uh, you know, I, I did a lot of research. I probably didn't look at pictures as much, but, you know, everyone sees pictures of the Grand Canyon, but they, they, they don't compare at all to what you actually experience. Yeah, I, I don't think you can fully appreciate how grand the Grand Canyon is until you walk down and walk out. You have a completely different yeah. respect for it than when you're just standing on the rim, right? Absolutely. Um, so, so you started at 5 a.m. Um, you, you go all the way down to the Colorado, come out, you're on the North Rim, go back to the Colorado, come back out, and you're on the South Rim. What time did you finish? Um, I f- well, I could do the math. It basically took me, the whole thing was 12 and a half hours. And so that would have been around 530 in the evening, I guess. Um, so I took me, and I looked back at my, my data before I came 
came over here. Uh, it took me, I think, five hours and 30 something and change to go from south to north. Ah. Um, and then, you know, I suffered more in the second half just due to fatigue, I guess you could say. Understandable. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that makes complete sense to me. Um, so, so that's pretty, you know what the record is? I was actually trying to look on Ryan. Is the record like six hours? The or record's insane. Yeah. The record is held by Jim Walmsley. Who's like a Flagstaff, Arizona ultra runner. I think it's five fifty five for, oh for, for the rim to rim to rim. Dude, so, you know, less than half my time. And, and even the, the, the female fastest known time is, uh, I think just under seven hours. So like six fifty or something. Wow. So I mean, it's it's a pretty uh, pretty impressive to think about those speeds. Yeah. Now, were there times where you thought this is a terrible idea? I can't believe I'm doing this. Not really. There was one point. Um, I mean, so you, you bomb down the South Rim, get to the river. That's seven miles, um, and I mean, it's beautiful. And then the canyon, you know, is sort of a false flat, slow incline for I think another seven or eight miles. And, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful and pretty, but I think at one point when I was, um, you know, maybe 14, 15, 16 miles in before I'd really hit the climb up to the North Rim, I, I, I hesitated a little and thought, you know, this would still be a really good training day if I just turned around and headed back. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I'm, I'm so glad I, I didn't make that decision, but it crossed my mind just cause it was you know, getting a little bit monotonous in the canyon. And, um, you know, I, honestly, I was probably a little hesitant about, you know, the, the rest of the day ahead of me. But uh, in hindsight, you know, so glad that I stuck with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess on the back part of the hike, too, you're also going, in your case, you went back up uh, the South Kaibab Trail, right? So you're going through an area you'd already seen. Was it, I mean, was it less exciting at that point? Or you're no, just I don't so think exhausted? so. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I was pretty exhausted. Um, right. And it, it probably looks a little different going up versus coming down. And I missed a little bit of it in the dark. So, um, yeah, the, the, the site wasn't, wasn't an issue. Um, you know, one of the reasons to leave early in addition to, you know, building some uh, you know, leeway in case things take longer is, are the mule trains. And, and I was prepared to um, experience some, some mule trains, even I think as early as, as 5 a.m., but I didn't see any. Um, so I don't know if I got, I got lucky. I, I saw some kind of remnants coming back up that there had been some mule train activity during the day, but you know, again, I wasn't worried about my time and I, I you know, I know some of the people shooting for FKTs worry about getting slowed down by the mules. I just thought, you know, it'd be nice to kind of avoid that. Yeah, no, I, I've actually read that online and for the listeners, the mule trains, um, a lot of them are, are basically supplying the Phantom Ranch, which is down in the in the uh, heart of the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. It's a, it's a nice ranch. There's a couple options there. You can stay in a, a very, uh, you know, it's a rustic lodge, but it, it's got all the things you need, basically. Or you can, as we did, take your backpack and, and camp in a campsite. So the, um, the mule trains are, are generally trying to stock for the people that are staying down in the canyon. There is... I and mean, I, I guess you didn't have time for this, but you know there's a bar down there, right? I did not know there was yes, a bar. Yes, there is. It's only open for, it was, and this it's been a while since I've been there, but it was only open for two hours. Wow. But, uh, so obviously the mule trains are, are carrying, you know, beverages and trash back out. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't realize that 
that it was there and it was a very pleasant surprise actually very nice yes indeed um so i appreciate that you're not the first to do the this hike do you know who like the originator of the whole rim to rim to rim was i actually i i think um I think when I, I once looked up the FKT just out of curiosity, the fastest known time, and you know I saw the kind of current records. I think back to like the 80s, early 80s, there was a guy that said, I think they actually had a race back in the day when there was maybe less regulation on national parklands. Um, they had some kind of race, and, and, and the guy set the time, which was probably much slower than the current 5.55. Um, but, but, and then I'm guessing it, it was, you know, probably quite a while before that kind of picked up again. Um, now it's a pretty popular both training spot for um, endurance athletes as well as, you know, occasional uh, you know, FKTs. And then just, you know, kind of the, uh, you know, enjoyable, you know, day out that I, that I put out. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you hit, you touched on this. And I was going to ask, I, I, I saw conflicting things online, but it sounds like you technically need a permit to uh, do the rim to rim to rim. Is that right? I, no, I don't think so. I, th- I think if you do something organized, um, you do need some kind of permit. I don't know what organized means. Maybe if you have a group of, of folks, um, but it was a solo effort. And then if, as long as you don't camp or stay overnight, then you don't need a, a, a backcountry permit. A, a permit, yeah. Okay. As long as you you know come out the same the same day. I mean, you know, they have countless warning signs, both on the maps that they print, as well as, you know, out on the trail, you know, don't attempt to hike down to the river and back in one day, which I'm sure a lot of people do that. And clearly this was a little bit more than a little bit more than that. Yeah. There's definitely a reason for that warning too. And I mean, it's easy to, you're going to go down a lot quicker than you're going to come out. And it's very deceptive that you could probably get down there without a ton of trouble and coming out. It's a totally different story. Yeah, I can imagine. And I know there have been some, you know, kind of horror stories, but yeah, I mean, even when I was coming back up, um, you know, I, I struggled and, and had to, you know, slow my pace considerably. And, and you can imagine, you know, if a family went out there, you know, and didn't have enough water, you know, and you know, you, it's quite a, it's quite a journey coming yes. back up the, <laughs> up the climb. Especially in the summer when it's brutally hot. Yeah, so you had mentioned there's no official race. Um, I think there's actually restrictions against a race, right? Yeah, like, I think currently, never happen, yeah, right? in any kind of national park, um, there, there's no there's no race. I think there's maybe a tiny bit of grandfathering in. I know there's a race in California that does a tiny bit of of, of some of some trails in in national parks, but in general, yeah, there's there's none of that. Yeah, that's I I I'd seen that online, so. All right, so so Rand, you said this was your first trip to the uh, Grand Canyon, correct? That is correct. Yeah. And did you fly into Phoenix? Did you fly into Vegas? How'd you get there? We flew into Phoenix um, and drove up and stopped through Flagstaff. Had dinner in Flagstaff and then up to the up to the canyon. Oh, you also flew out of Phoenix, I would guess. We did. Right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And. Um, I know you're with your family, so I'm kind of curious to ask you, like, what what was your? <laughs> this is sort of a loaded question because if I'm going to ask you your best moment on the trail, you got to say it was with your family, right? But <laughs> maybe, maybe I should ask it this way: What was your best moment on the trail when you were solo hiking, and then what was your best moment with your family there? Yeah, um, I mean the the hike, the the run was was pretty awesome. Um, particularly in hindsight, I think you probably you know sand off the uh the rough the rough patches in your in your mind and only remember kind of the 
the good parts. I think reaching the North Rim, uh, you know, that time of year it, it was closed, so it was very quiet and desolate, and there was like just a tiny, you know, thin layer of snow on the ground right at the top of the North Rim, which was just kind of like scenic and cool. Um, but just you know, reaching that. You know, granted, you're only halfway through mileage wise, but uh, you know, just a really peaceful, you know, chance to you know just reflect a little bit. Yeah. Now, were you the only one, like only one there when you were on the North Rim? Yeah. I mean, there were some. There were a lot of people in the canyon, more than I expected, you know, who had been down there for a day or two or three and, and doing little mini hikes. Um, well, I shouldn't say mini hikes. I don't really know. But staying in the canyon and doing hikes. Um, and then presumably they would hike out of the canyon back to the South Rim, you know, at some point in the future, a day or two later, perhaps. Um, but, yeah, no one of the on the North Rim. I saw one other couple beginning to hike up the North Rim trail, um, you know, when it really got to be, um, you know, steeper, um, they were staying down in the Canyon, but yeah, once, once I cleared them, you know, for, for several miles, no one in, in sight. Um, so yeah, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, scenic and yeah. what, what about your worst, uh, your worst moment on the trail? And I'll, I'll again, this will be solo and then we can, shift gears to the family yeah i mean again I, I suffered at the end i mean just fatigue i think um you know climbing back up from the river to the the south rim you know seven miles mile of elevation gain essentially um it, it was just tough um you know I, I i stopped at the river and sort of you know drank a, a lot of water and and just you know rested for for a little while and then i you know just my pace really slowed as i as i climbed the back up to the south rim so i mean physically uh and you know a little bit mentally that was that was challenging but but again i mean that's a i think in hindsight in particular but it's a pretty small price to pay for the yeah. experience yeah that's that's the truth what, what about like you know what was the most fun thing you guys did family-wise while you were there we, we had a great great time i mean you know we'd never been to the the grand canyon the next day actually we rented bikes which was fun for them you know a little a little painful to, to you know go out and, and, and ride bikes with the family <laughs> right after I'd done that that that, that little, plus little miles. adventure, but uh, yeah. no, it was it was really cool. And then we, you know we did some other stuff in, in the state of Arizona. I visited Sedona um, on the way back down to, to Phoenix for for a couple of days. So um, you know the nor- I'd been to Northern Arizona for work to Prescott before, but never been up as far as Flagstaff or, or the Grand Canyon. And it's just a beautiful part of the country. Yeah, they, I mean, you, you know, a lot of people don't think of Arizona as a place to go skiing, but they actually have ski resorts there, right? Yeah, I think they yeah. have a pretty big mountain right outside of Flag. That's um, I forget the name of it, but yeah, I think so. Yeah, when I've driven through there in the wintertime before, too, I was actually surprised how much snow they had in that area. So, you know, northern Arizona does actually get a fair amount of snow for those that are not familiar. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the scenery is just pretty much stunning in that whole area. Did you... Uh, I mean, I did, can you comment on that? Because, I mean, can, can you really fully appreciate it? I guess you hit on this before. It, it's, it's tough to take it in, honestly. It's like 360-degree, like a postcard in every every dimension. I I think when I first saw the Colorado River, and I forget, you know, exactly where you first set eyes on it coming down the south rim, if, if you're maybe two miles out, and I could be wrong in either direction there. But when you first see that bright green, you know, maybe it's always bright green, but at the time it was certainly a very bright green, uh, you know, river very clearly down there. Uh, and then you continue to see that 
you know, almost consistently, not, not entirely the whole way down, but, you know, see it from slightly different angles and, and obviously it gets larger as you approach, but you know, that was a pretty cool sight. For yeah. Sure. Well, and, and the, when you're coming down, you hit that tunnel too, which they've blasted through the rock, which is kind of cool, right? Yeah. You, you want to comment cool. on that? Yeah, no, I, I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I, it wasn't in the, <laughs> the, uh, recon that I had, had researched. I mean, it's a pretty short tunnel, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, you're in the darkness for you know a couple seconds, um, so it's long enough to, to be dark in the middle of the tunnel. But then yeah, you come out and you're you're right you know right outside the bridge over the over the river. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you didn't come back the other way, which goes to Indian Garden. But if you do, you go across a really cool suspension bridge. So uh, yeah, awesome, absolutely awesome. Did you um, did you run into any animals on the trail? No, I, I did. Well, I, I you know I saw like little stuff. I, I don't know. If um, you know, I saw some horses or mules down in the Canyon for near the campsites. Um, and then, you know, maybe some small animals, but you know, I didn't see anything else. Um, you know, I had a little bit of, I don't know if fear is the right word, but I mean, there are mountain lions in, in the Canyon technically. Um, and, and so, you know, one of the, uh, you know, thoughts in the back of my mind was, was sort of, <laughs> You know, w- it was that which, um, you know, but but actually I didn't think about it much because uh, there's you know so much scenery to take in, so much kind of thinking about how your body's doing and hydrating and all that stuff. Um, you know, not something to, to to really worry about. Yeah, no, I would agree, especially there. I'm ju- I'm just trying to think when we hiked, we I definitely remember seeing deer. Oh, you know, we did actually see some. Um, I think they were bighorn sheep. Oh wow, that'd be uh, cool. near the top. Um, and I think that might've been it, you That'd know, be really cool other than maybe a snake here or there, but, yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. We were also there in the winter where they're probably not as active. Um, Hey man, you were talking about mule trains before speaking of animals. I got to ask you, man, do you think, you think the mule train drivers get ticked off at the runners, right? Like if, at least if you're backpacking, you're moving at a slower speed, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think the, I think it's pretty commonly known that you're supposed to just step off the trail and let the you know, the, the trains pass or, or, you know, slowly walk past off the trail. Um, which, which, you know, again, I can't, you know, I don't really know if that's always, uh, done, but, you know, hopefully that's, you know, respected. Yeah. And I should correct myself to my earlier statement because there's really two types of mule trains. There's, there's the ones that are carrying goods, right. You know, for the Phantom Mm -hmm. Ranch or whatever and trash out. And then there's the ones carrying tourists. Right. right. So there's really two types. And I think the mules that are carrying tourists are much better trained but uh just you know for the record for anybody that's listening um how was the in the spring how was the traffic for you were there a lot of hikers on the trail yeah i mean there you know i started pretty early um i actually saw a couple people when the sun came up and i got down into the river i saw a couple people hiking so they must have started really early and i'm guessing i mean i I could be wrong i'm guessing they were you know gonna hit the river and then come back but you know that's a pretty cool pretty cool hike and then i saw a lot of people at the campgrounds i mean they were they, they may very well have been you know completely booked and, and i really in my research which i did a lot of research but it was very focused on kind of my my adventure and i didn't research the the housing options i guess you could say in in the canyon and there in a number of campgrounds um and those were pretty popular um and then i saw some friendly you know friendly hikers um but you know plenty of time over the 40 to 44 miles to have kind of a solitude which is also a cool, yeah no i cool can see experience. that it seems like most of the traffic 
it's going to be near the rims, right? And, you know, when you were there, the north rim was closed, so I'm sure you didn't see them there. Yeah. But, you know, once you get a couple miles past the south rim, I mean, it, the numbers really start to plummet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, you were talking about water before, and, and we had mentioned that one of the advantages of going through the uh, Bright Angel Trail is you have more access to water. How much did you carry? Because I, I would doubt you would have pumped it from the Colorado. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did the appropriate research. Um, and I think there's two seasons, essentially. During the summer, there's quite a number of potable water sources. And then during the off-season, uh, maybe half of those get shut off. But there's still you know, pretty decent supply of, of, of water. Uh, I carried four bottles, like typical, you know, bike, biking, uh, bottles, uh, you know, 500 to 600 milliliter. I think, um, I, I typically, I, I only filled three at a time. So I had, you know, cl- maybe around, uh, two liters of water, you know, when I refilled and, and that was plenty. Um, you know, I did the research. I kind of knew, how much I would drink, you know, assuming a certain uh, pace or speed, you know, building in a little bit of, uh, you know, leeway. Um, I think I did fill all four bottles for the climb back up to the south rim because, you know, just in case, because I knew I was I was suffering a little bit. Um, so you, th- you fill those at Phantom Ranch then? Yeah, whatever's the, the ranch right before, okay, right gotcha, before the bridge. Gotcha. Yeah. Did you fill at the north rim too? There, there was no water at the north, the top of the north rim, but and I forget all the names of the, of, of the places along the way. But there are several, um, you know, several places where where the water is good. I mean, there, if you read, if you do the research, there are line breaks occasionally, and the water's uh, technically not safe to drink. So I had a UV kind of filter, not a filter, I guess, uh, UV uh, treatment device, but I never had to, you know, even pull it out of its package more just as a safety, you know, backup sort of thing in case the water, I, I, again, I think the water lines break sometimes where there's still water, but they don't know what else has gotten in there. Um, yeah. Right. So, so, I mean, I'm sure you carried some food. I'm sure you didn't carry much. Like what, what do you carry on a typical, like that's a 12 hour, you're out there 12 hours, man. Yeah. I mean, I took a lot of cliff bars, which typically work pretty well for me. And then some, some gels, um, but it, you know, after a while, it, it's just tough to stomach that. Um, and so, I mean, I typically I, I keep it pretty simple when I'm, you know, either racing. Racing's a little different. But when I'm running, you know, these sorts of things, um, you know, I'll try to drink about a bottle an hour. You know, 500 to 600 mils. Uh, take an S cap, which is just like a salt salt tablet. Um, oh right, right. So you ought to talk about that. I don't know. Especially in the desert, right? I don't think most listeners probably understand how important it is to keep the salt uh, levels up for you. Yeah, I don't know a lot of the science, but it, it, it works, you know, works well for, for me, just trial and error. And it's, you know, pretty recommended, at least for, for runners doing long distances, um, you know, to, to, to take kind of a S-CAP's a brand, but there are other brands of, um, you know, various electrolyte salts, um, particularly if you're only drinking water. I guess technically someone could mix uh, an electrolyte drink, um, but I like to stick to water for, for simplicity. And then, you know, I started off with like a Cliff Bar an hour, so that's 250 calories-ish. Um, and, and that works for a while, but, you know, for, for it doesn't work for 12 and a half yeah, hours. So I can imagine. Um, but, you know, I think if you bank enough calories, you eat early and often. Um, and as long as you drink consistently that, you know, even if your stomach shuts down, uh, you, you know, 
fingers crossed, uh, it worked out okay for me to, yeah. to survive. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you were talking about calories. Um, you, did you measure how many calories you burned on this thing? You know, I've got a watch that, you know, one of these kind of uh, fancy GPS, everything watches and it, it calculates and I, I have no idea how accurate it is, but it said 8,600 calories. 8,600. <laughs> That's insane. Which, um, yeah, it was kind of fun. I mean, which is funny cause I got back, I, I ate dinner that night, but you know, the stomach still just you know, ripped up you know, for me <laughs> wow. at least. Wow. And even breakfast the next morning, the stomach still wasn't cooperating, but it yeah. was, you know, the rest of the vacation I had kind of, uh, you know, for freedom to eat whatever, uh, whatever I saw for the rest of the day. Did you ever wish you went slower is the question, right? Like I mean, you're, you're basically gunning through it. Like you have all these beautiful views. Did you ever wish you could have hung out and, uh, taking it slower are you going to go back as yeah it's a, a backpacker is the question yeah i don't know i mean i have mad respect for for backpacking um but th- i mean there's something that i just like i mean again i'm running some of it you know running the downs running the canyon um most of the canyon but then essentially you know walking or you know power hiking the the ups the the, the serious climbs um, I don't know. There's something about that speed that, that I like. Um, you know, I think if I was with other people or with family, uh, with my kids, if, you know, then I'd, you know, happily move at a, at a slower pace, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of cool to do it all in a day and then, you know, be able to take a nice shower and, and sleep, yeah, and sleep, sleep in, in a bed. bed man. I hear you. You're not blowing up a little mattress to sleep on the ground. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do respect, um, I respect the solitude. You had hit on the solitude before, right? There, it's it's hard to explain until you've been there. And, and a lot of people listen to the podcast or have had their moments, I'm sure, where they're in the backcountry alone. I mean that that is that is truly a magical moment, right? Whether you're power hiking or you're backpacking or whatever. But there is a lot to be said for having camaraderie at night, uh, especially around the campfire or whatever or uh, the campsite. Um, so. I enjoy both. I know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah I definitely yeah. know what you're saying there. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm just ignorant, I guess you could say about backpacking and you know, the, the, the intersection point is, is fast packing. And, and I've, I've looked at that quite a bit, you know, kind of, uh, you know, very light pack, but, but you do have enough to, you know, spend a one or two nights out. Um, you know, typically not a tent, but kind of a bivy and, you know, enough to, to make some, some food, um, and I think, I mean, in one hand that would open up, you know, the ability to do longer distances, um, you know, still relatively fast and light, but, uh, you know, just, I guess something for me to explore in the future. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I, I equate you like, you know, my wife, obviously, and yeah. she, uh, she loves to run like you do. She loves to hike like you do. She likes the back country like you do. But, you know, she would prefer to not, like, wake up in the morning and not have a bathroom nearby, right? So <laughs> I, I respect that, you know. Everybody's got But whatever gets you back there. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, you've certainly seen um, more backcountry than, uh, I mean, most people I know. And uh, even some backpackers I know, right? Because if you're carrying a backpack, you're not necessarily doing as many of the miles. I mean, you certainly could as a yeah. thru-hiker, but... Um, so yeah, I mean, so it's interesting to, uh, you know, hear your perspective on things for sure. Um, when you, when you, when you were in the Canyon, it sounded like you had pretty much great weather. You didn't have any major storms, uh, no problems at all. Yeah. The weather was, you know, probably among 
you know, the better, you know, potential, um, potential days. It, it started, I mean, it, it was quite a wide temperature swing. So it started out about 35 degrees. So, you know, you had, to, you had to bundle up a little. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Cause when you start out, you're at what? 8,800 feet, I think. On yeah. The, uh... Something like that. So you're pretty high in elevation. Yeah. So I think, um, that day, you know, 35 when I started and then I think the high temperature that day in the South Rim was like 55, 60. Mm. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, you know, decent, high elevation, you know, spring day. Um, but then the canyons warmed up to 85 that day. And so yeah, I had the 35 yeah. to 85 swing. Um, but I mean, it all worked out well. I mean, I, I wore shorts and then I just had a bunch of layers on the top and then I, you know, I took them off and put them in my pack, you know, throughout the day. And, um, but yeah, no, uh, no rain, uh, just the, you know, kind of, uh, scenic, snow that didn't cause any problems on the north rim um and, and really no heat i mean 85 is getting warm but uh not not dangerous levels like you see in the in the summer for sure that's a desert for you though it swings wildly and i don't think it matters what time of year i mean summer spring fall yeah. or winter it swing it just swings wildly right yeah, yeah all right rand i got some closing questions for you are you ready uh, i guess so <laughs> all right um if you went back to the Grand Canyon, what would you do differently? Yeah, I, th- I thought about that because, um, you know, it, on one hand, if I went back, it'd be tough not to do the same sort of thing. But, you know, it, it went pretty well. Um, you know, I, I could have trained harder, but, you know, I'm at a stage in my life where I'm not really trying to, you know, eke out 30 minutes or an hour even off of a, a time. It's more about the experience. Um, so I think I could have trained better for, for the activity. And in hindsight, I'd probably mix up the, the food, the food options a little. Um, but I think so many things did go well that, uh, you know, I, I might be jinxing it if I, if I tried again. And, you know, I think, you know, one of the things we, we haven't talked about, you know, really my big fear was that, you know, I get halfway across the canyon and you know seriously injure myself you know twist an ankle really bad or something there's no one around right yeah which is you know that was the the big fear um besides the kind of uh irrational you know mountain lion (laughs) mountain lion fear and i i had rented primarily for my you know wife's uh peace of mind a a spot tracker um a plb personal locating device yeah in in sort of a one direct one directional yeah beacon from from a place outside of phoenix um and i don't know if it worked that well actually part of it was because the cell reception isn't that great in uh in the canyon so the texts weren't necessarily getting to my wife uh that well i don't think but i mean it, it was a good peace of mind and um but luckily no you know, no slips or falls or twisted ankles or anything like that. I mean, I think you could get into some trouble uh, and maybe some, you know, serious <laughs> potential mountain rescue uh, expenditures if you had a had a problem like that. But, I mean, I'm fortunate that I didn't have any anything like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, do you have any helpful tips for somebody that might want to do a rim-to-rim-to-rim hike? I guess you could technically do a rim-to-rim hike. Yeah, I, th- I think but, the big challenge there is, um, well, the, the, the North Rim's closed for part of the season, so you have to do it when the North Rim's open. And then just, I mean, the driving distance between oh, the two rims. brutal. It, I don't that's know what it is, but it's a point. long, long way. So yeah, you'd have to shuttle yeah. some serious uh, That's a great cars. point. I, I had forgotten about that. That is a good point. Um, 
What, what I mean, you've done some other adventure runs. Like, you know, what what are some of the big ones you've done? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm very you know, fortunate, I guess. Um, I mean, I've had the chance to, to do some stuff internationally that's been a ton of fun. Um, I've made two trips now to, to Wales in the UK, and, and it's really one of the most beautiful places that I've been. There's a Snowdonia National Park there with some, um, you know, just beautiful, um, beautiful mountains. I mean, the cool thing about those mountains are they basically start at, at sea level. And so even if they're only three or 4,000 feet, uh, you know, that's a pretty decent size uh, delta or elevation change. You don't have to worry about, you know, high elevation like you'd hit in Colorado or uh, Utah or, you know, the Alps or anything like that. But you can get some really beautiful scenic and, and really some exposed uh, scrambling, you know, really technical stuff if you want to do it. So I've had a chance to race out there as well as um, actually went back this summer uh, and just did kind of a, a fun, uh, you know, fun day in the mountains. You know, the Alps sound like pretty, pretty, that sounds pretty interesting, right? I mean, is that on your radar? Yeah, it's certainly on my radar. I mean, I'm a little intimidated about the high elevation stuff. Um, I've had one not so great experience. I don't know if it's entirely attributed to altitude, but, um, you know, yeah, I've, I'm that, you know, I know you've done some, some podcasts on UTMB and those trails. Yeah, Tour and, de Mont Blanc, episode 55. Yeah. Just had it. <laughs> that sounds like there's an adventure run in there for yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a big race out there every year, actually a family of races of all kinds of different distances. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's a definitely on my, my bucket list, Chamonix and, and that whole trail system. You know, whether or not, you know, you stay in the mountain huts or try to do bits and pieces over, you know, days. Uh, yeah, that's certainly a on the bucket list you know so many so many great opportunities out there right like you know absolutely yeah yeah and, and i mean i think just trying to juggle it with with work and, and family and uh you know it's always that, the yeah. challenge always the challenge absolutely yeah what what um are there any adventure racers that you uh kind of follow that you uh, have a lot of respect for you know if you want to give like a little uh little shout out to uh to the community there? Yeah, I mean, I follow the ultra running community, the kind of um, mountain uh, ultra trail running uh, community. I mean, I, I, you know, I follow it like a, a sport online, podcasts and websites. Um, and, and, and now is just an amazing time. I mean, there's so many, you know, dynamic men and women, both uh, racers and, and runners. And, and really, it's been an interesting shift from, you know, just racing. And I think races still continue to be part of the the thing but you know these a lot of these athletes are sponsored by you know shoe brands or clothing brands and and i think there's been a shift in the marketing mindsets of those companies more toward adventures you know it doesn't have to be about towing the line and getting the podium of some race so you see all kinds of you know fkts or just kind of you know cool runs um you know pacific coast trail or uh, wonderland trail i think we talked a little bit about that you and i um which I, th I think it goes around Mount Rainier in Washington, like yeah. 93 miles and beautiful. So stuff like that. That's yeah. not a race, yeah, but beautiful. you know, you can do it either supported or unsupported, um, in kind of one clip. Um, you know, I, I'd probably never be able to do that in one clip, but you know, again, maybe that's a, maybe I could do it in, in you know, two or three days with some backpacking or some, you know, stays overnight. But, uh. Hey, so just out of curiosity, um, 
have you you know kind of run up on some people that were hiking or backpacking that had an attitude about like a runner kind of coming screaming through or yeah luckily i've never experienced that i mean i've read the press as i as i'm sure you have and you hear you hear stories um and it's it's unfortunate because it's hard to know from those stories who to believe and and all that um i mean really i have you know respect for 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 kind of anyone that's out there respecting nature and um you know, enjoying the trails, enjoying, uh, you know, being out there kind of regardless of whatever speed they're moving. Um, and so I don't know what some of the underlying issues are, you know, whether there have been some, you know, sort of, uh, behavior that isn't that, uh, isn't that great on one side or the other. But, uh, I mean, luckily from my perspective, I've never, never seen anything that's, um, adversarial. Yeah. And you know, to be honest with you, I have no problem with like trail runners. I mean, uh, Jennifer Farr Davis, who was actually a through hiker first, but then, you know, as I think she had the fastest time on the Appalachian Trail for a while. Um, and I have no problem with it. Um, you know, I personally would just much rather go slower. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm out there to really like just uh, really space out and take it in and go slow and suck it in. But at the same time, you know, I think what I've kind of realized from talking to you is it's not like you can't do that as a trail runner. You're just doing it at a different pace. Yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like, I mean, just a, you know, the same thing, just, you know, slightly different, uh, different speed. And, uh, you know, I I think there is a camaraderie or there's, you know, there's bound to be a camaraderie and something special about, you know, spending nights in the, in the dark, in the woods, in the, you know, wherever you are, um, that adds, you know, sort of a special sauce to the experience. And I, you know, I I recognize that I'm missing that, but uh, I think, Putting that aside, I think the experience it's there for is, you is pretty you much the it. same. <laughs> it's still there yeah, for no, you if no. you ever want it. If you ever want to go with me, yeah, you know yeah. you're welcome. <laughs> but it is a little different. I, I hear you. Um, so I, I did want to ask you is is part of the closing here. Um, you know, you I know you have certain gear. Like I, I like to ask the gear question because everybody's always got good gear suggestions. What what's your most favorite cherished piece of uh, gear while you're in the backcountry yeah i mean i think you know certainly um trail runners um can 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 geek out on gear and and, and spend way too much money probably not as much as as backpackers and uh, hikers um i, I think sh- you know yeah shoes are shoes are the big piece um a, a pack of some sort and I, i'm sort of in between packs right now i mean it's a different type of pack clearly but you know the importance of carrying sufficient water and then, you know, waterproof jacket and sort of safety features, you know, safety items that you might need. Uh, that's, that's pretty important if you go out for more than a few hours. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm big kind of on watch technology. And so I've got, you know, a, a fancy you know, Sunto watch that, you know, I can get data from GPS. I haven't even explored all the kind of tracking uh, you know, breadcrumb tripe features you can you can leave on it, but you know, just having that is is kind of a cool toy. That's you know probably not that necessary, but uh, you know, kind of a cool. A cool I, I like my watch gadget. I, I totally <laughs> agree with you on that. You know, I, I what I like to geek out on is the temperature. I'm always curious what the temperature bottoms out at at night. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you got to get it off your arm and stick it on a boot and stick it outside. But I'm always curious, like what what was the low temperature last night? You know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I used to. You know, I again, I used to be a big road cyclist. And I was pretty big into climbing and mountain riding. And I think, you know, the elevation change, whether it's 
based on barometric pressure or based on GPS location. I mean, yeah, again, yeah. geeky stuff, but I think, uh, you know, that's pretty, it is kind pretty, of fun, a rabbit man. hole to, to, no, to go is. down into. Especially you can get the, e- the decline, the, uh, you know, the <laughs> right. ascent, you know, that's, in- it's interesting to watch heart rate. Um, what, what's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you on a backcountry run? So I think I've told you this story, but I was, uh, about a year and a half ago on the AT approach trail. So this is the trail from Amicalola state park in, um, in Georgia up to Springer mountain. And I forget how long it is. Maybe it's seven or eight miles, something like that. Um, but 8. I had one. What's it? 8.1. 8.1. I was pretty close. <laughs> You're there pretty you close. Go. You had it. So, I mean, I would, I would typically, I, I, I often would run to the Springer mountain and back, you know, for a 16 mile, I guess, sort of training run. And I think I was set out to do a similar sort of thing. Um, and, and I had uh, my first bear encounter, which, uh, you know, I don't know what, if I call it, I mean, I don't know what the definition of an encounter is, but if you see a bear, it's an encounter. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was running along the trail, which I think is probably a pretty heavily, you know, traffic trail. And I heard some, um, cracking wood and, and I kept running. Um, and then I realized that there was a bear, uh, about a dozen feet off the trail coming down a tree. And I think it was a dead tree. You could see the, and, and that was the sound like, you know, bark and branches were falling off as the bear was descending off the tree. And I was running basically toward it. Um, again, it was 10 to 12 feet or so off the, off the trail. Um, and, and I, I, I mean, in hindsight, I, I knew what you're supposed to do with bears. Um, but I guess that particular situation where it was still in the tree, but coming down pretty quickly, uh, I just turned it up to another gear and just kept, kept running. So actually running toward it for a little bit of time, it, I'm guessing it probably hit the ground, you know, soon after I passed, uh, the closest point to it. Um, but that was, that was a pretty, uh, you know, hair raising, hair raising moment. You know, it's uh, a lot different when you see a bear in a zoo and yeah. you see it in the back country, right? Yeah, and there's absolutely. nothing separating you. Yeah. And then, yeah. then I, you know, you get to thinking you're like that bear wasn't that big, which means maybe it was a cub, which means maybe yeah. the mother was around. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. you, you begin to overanalyze the situation. Um, so, I mean, you know, what I ended up doing is I went up to, there, there is another trail to come back by the hike in, which is another yep. cool thing. I know the trail have, well. Have in Georgia, so I, I came yep. back that route as opposed to <laughs> to going back to the, going back right by the right by the bear. So. Uh, you're smart to be cautious with bears. I mean, you know they. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're beautiful, and uh, you know, but uh, I'd never seen one up close and personal before. It's uh, yeah, it's an experience, man. When you get it for the first time, for sure. What um. Rand, do you have any, uh, like, if the podcast listeners want to follow you on your uh, your uh, adventures, do you have, like, a website or a blog or anything? Yeah, I don't really. I don't really. You know, what, what I could do is give a shout-out to, I mentioned whales, and I did, um, there's a, an, a a pro runner, and she runs a kind of mountain guiding business in, in, in Snowdonia. I think it's Run Snowdonia is her company. And, and I went out there this summer. I had to travel to, to Europe for work. And I stopped over um, in the UK, and and she took me out, um, took me out on a run. And she posted there's like a case study blog about my race or not my race, my run with some photos. Uh, so Sarah Ridgeway run Snowdonia, uh, probably .co.uk or something. Uh, it's a pretty cool site. She does a pretty cool service for people. Everyone from 
you know, people wanting to just get out in the, the mountains and explore to uh, wanting to learn some serious navigation or scrambling skills over kind of really difficult terrain. Uh, but that's probably the, the closest thing to me having a, a running related uh, social media type, you know, exposure. You do it for you, man. You're not yeah, out there. Yeah. You're not out there to blow <laughs> out. Uh, yeah. I respect that, man. I respect that for sure. Any, any final thoughts on, um, on uh, just final takeaway on somebody that's like on the verge of uh, taking it up a notch. They're a backpacker. They're a hiker, man. They're looking to do the next level. Like any, uh, any, any thoughts for them? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means. I mean, I think there are amazing resources on the, on the, you know, on the web that you can find. Uh, I think, you know, important is respect for, for being out in the wild. Uh, you know, you could certainly underestimate some of the challenges you uh, could get yourself into. And I happens think happens all the time. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah. you know, everything you do, I mean, you can get all excited and sort of, uh, you know, read some, something that someone did and, 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 and try to replicate it. Uh, but I think, you know, getting the maps and, and understanding it, uh, you know, I've never really had to use, well, only a few times once in a race and once in the back country had to use a compass. But I think just knowing that kind of stuff is, is a valuable kind of thing to thing to do and having that having that respect is pretty you're basically saying to do your homework which is really easy now with the web yeah yeah. do your homework don't just go out there i guess you could do so much that it kind of uh, cripples you and you never actually get out and do the adventure but that's true that's true but but yeah i think it's important to do to do some of that And, and just going back to what you said earlier i mean i think the the animosity that you know, you read or hear about between backpackers and hikers and runners, the, you know, fast packers. Um, you know, I think it's unfortunate. Again, I haven't experienced it, but, um, you know, it'd be cool to kind of just get past all that. And, you know, cause again, we're all out there. Um, you know, we're not hopefully, you know, throwing trash on the ground or leaving stuff. Um, you know, we're respecting the being out in nature and, and sort of the, the beauty and the challenge. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's an area that, you know, those, those communities should, should, you know, they're not the same and they all have their own culture and their own vibe, but I think they, you know, they should respect each other and sort of look at each other with, uh, with, uh, appreciation. I mean, I mean, there, there is some crossover though, right? Uh, another Brian, uh, flying Brian. Right? Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, absolutely. The, uh, I mean, he, he also is, a he did the Barkley. He's a big, I mean, so there's definitely crossover. I think there is some mutual understanding there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I th- you know, if you look at the speeds of some of these, you know, the AT record or even some of the much shorter, but still long t- efforts. I mean, the speeds are, are, are not that, you know, <laughs> they're not running speeds. It's more about moving efficiently, um, you know, ups and downs and, and, and through some, some challenging, challenging terrain. And, you know, one of the things, you know, I think the, the transition from pure runner to, you know, kind of mountain trail runner, um, you know, not recognizing, um, you know, that you have to train, you know, fast, you know, hiking, power hiking, walking. Uh, if, you know, if you only train on the roads and only train at one pace and then try to do these things, I mean, it's not going to work. Right? I mean, you probably better, <laughs> better chance coming from the, the hiking or backpacking side. Cause I mean, it is a different, a different movement, a different type of thing than just, uh, than just running. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense to me. Well, Rand, really appreciate it. you're the first, the first interview in the new studio. 
thank yeah, you for uh, yeah. thank you for being that guy. It's a good setup. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Certainly wish you the best. I'm I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that you got a trail run coming up here soon. And uh, you know, anytime you want to like throw on a pack and spend the night, I got plenty of gear. Yeah, we'll have to do that. We'll have to do that sometime yeah, for sure. That sounds good. Cool. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show is provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of Into Backpacking and is copyrighted by Into Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at intobackpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.